0: Hello, and welcome to a special episode of the Town University podcast. I'm your host, Terry McDonald, and today we're going to be trying something new. As we're all aware, there was a devastating earthquake in Syria and Turkey last week. Today, we will feature a short interview with the TLU student affected by this disaster and provide some links and info for those who might want to help. In Syria, this earthquake marks a crisis within a crisis. The quake compounds the suffering in a decade-long civil war in which the government has already weaponized aid for citizens trapped within. As for Turkey, today we'll feature an interview with Salim Rahim, a TLU student of politics and governance from Turkey. As I'm currently out sick, I want to thank Town University podcast team member Jana Levittinia for conducting the interview. Thanks for listening, and we'll include links for contributions for those affected by the quake in the episode description, you can get them there. Enjoy the interview.
1: Uh, Hi, thank you for joining me today. Uh, Could you tell us a little bit about what happened and the scale of the event for people who are not familiar with?
2: Yes. So basically, approximately 10 days ago, there was an earthquake in Turkey with two different magnitudes, 7.7 and 7.6. This is one of the worst disasters for the past 100 years, uh, which humanity has experienced. And ever since, there was a lot of fatalities, human uh, loss, and a lot of disintegration and misinformation concerning this topic. So I decided to talk about it a bit.
1: Can you say a little bit about what territories have been affected and... uh who uh, is there a class uh, question in this, or everybody was affected equally? What help people got?
2: Yeah, so the thing, particularly about this earthquake, is that it happened in southeastern part of Turkey. It's the border to Syria. Hatay is the border to Syria. The the one of the main epicenters of the earthquake. And when it comes to class, when we speak about class, not a lot of high class people live in those cities, but we have had. A lot of politicians, uh, local politicians in the southeastern part of Turkey living there who were also unfortunately left under the debris and couldn't be saved. So particularly when speaking about classes, I can definitely say that there was a lot of lower class people living in those areas. And, you know, there was not much difference under who's been stuck under the building because... The teams, international aid teams, were trying to save the people whose sound, whose noise was coming up from down the debris first. So there was no kind of relationship related to the you know, social status of the person under the debris. So that doesn't affect anything currently.
1: Uh, what was the response of the government uh, in terms of uh, help and dealing with the situation?
2: The government could have done a lot more than everyone expected. You see, history is about repetition. In 1999, Turkey had a similar kind of earthquake in a different zone. And you see, even though it's a different government, different mindset, the same of governance persists. It's the exact same kind of relationship here. You see, Erdogan, as the president, has very poor morals when it comes to humanitarian life. And especially... A lot of Turkish people were surprised that the government aid didn't go to Turkey at such point that there was no money left, that's what they said. You see, Turkey is in, an, in the middle of an economic crisis. And this economic crisis has affected a lot of things, however, it doesn't affect the amount of taxes we pay, because we pay more taxes as Turkish citizens. Everyone was expecting more aid to the region, more soldiers, more army, more police, more ambulance, nothing. For the first two days, the government even did not decide to talk about it. And the moment they started talking about, they started talking about the people spreading the misinformation. And our president decided to swerve words towards the people who apparently were speaking against the government. I mean... The people who were speaking about against the government were the people whose, re- like relatives, whose family was stuck under the debris. I mean, they have a point. They see it. They are there. So the governance by our government in the region was really poor, and it's actually to a to a, to a point of disgrace when you look at a NATO level country, the second biggest army in NATO. So yes,
1: was this event predicted in any way seismologically or did it come as a surprise?
2: Um, You see, we had a lot of scientists who informed us, even from Holland, from Netherlands. There was a scientist who said, who predicted, let's say, that the earthquake might happen in three months, which he kind of predicted three months ago. We, We were all surprised about that because, you see... Our seismologists, our geologists, they have been speaking about this earthquake ever since the last two years, I would say. For the last two years, we have had a lot of dialogues, a lot of alerts concerning this earthquake, but no one decided to take it seriously, as it never happens to be, because you know, human life, what is it? So the seismologists in the area, after the earthquake happened, they they all started to speak and tell the truth, that they've told the government, they've informed the government. And even one of our most famous seismologists uh, and geologists, Jalal Shangor, he spoke about this and he said, the one most important thing in Turkey is that the politicians in this country forget about human life, and they prioritize money. And the moment we start prioritizing human life, we're going to become more well-educated. We're going to become a better country living under better economic circumstances. So as you can see, as you can understand, there's a lot of correlation between economics and human human life. So this correlation kind of always happens to come back again with... Very bad situations such as earthquakes, coup d'etats, which happened in 2016. It, it's reminded to the people every time something like this happens. But no one seems to learn about, from it. So, yes, basically, this is what happened.
1: Uh, one of the criticisms uh, that Turkey has faced after uh, this happened was also poor construction standards for the buildings because uh, a lot of the buildings... Crushed down uh, partly not only because of the earthquake but also because of their poor structure. Can you say a little bit about that?
2: Yes. So in Turkey, buildings are supposed to be under certain standards because Turkey is a is an earthquake country. We have a lot of fault lines passing through the country, and a lot of people are aware of this. However, the buildings built in many cities are not capable of standing such magnitudes obviously no one expect no was no one was expecting such a big magnitude because when you look at the videos on the internet you can see literally the cars jumping up and down when the magnitude hit but this does this doesn't mean that you know you cannot build a building which is gonna at least withstand this kind of magnitude because there's histor- historical examples that the Japanese people built better skyscrapers. You know, buildings in those cities, in those 10 cities where 13 and a half million people were affected, they were all five, six, maximum seven-story buildings. And these buildings kind of fell because they were literally made out of cardboard when you look at it. The grills in the buildings, they were nothing. And what was more funnier is that You see the government decided to send people to check the buildings if they're more stable now like if if they're stable to uh if they're capable to keep the people inside them those who haven't like fallen the buildings and the funniest part about that video was the inspector taking a hammer and hitting at the walls and trying to listen to the walls and say that okay it's safe to live however if a proper person if a Proper, let's say, engineer will come in and he'll say, "Oh my God, look, the the whole building is nearly scattered into two, and you're trying to make people live here." Unfortunately, this is what happens when you don't have proper infrastructure, and a lot when there's corruption and when people decide to steal the money from the material and decide to make homes out of poor materials and cheap metal.
1: When it just happened, one of the first pictures I personally saw was a bit surprising to me and the poor construction explains it very well because uh, it was a city that was almost completely destroyed except for a few buildings still standing which kind of indicates that there is a big difference between the pile of rumble that is nearby and the building that withstand it that means that it was possible.
2: As you said I just want people to imagine those who haven't seen any images Uh, Just bear for your own psychology, but uh, the basic thing about looking at those images, you can understand that it looks similar to a war zone. You know, something that happened in Ukraine, the the cities were bombed, sure, and the buildings were down. It was literally a a, a playground of the devil. That's what we call it in Turkish. You see, the buildings were fallen into literal dust. Not even, I, I couldn't even say rocks, it was dust. And the moment when you see the city and you're like, oh my God, this is worse than a war zone because it's equivalent. There's no place to live. And while people are trying to save other people, there's more magnitudes hitting, you know, after a big earthquake, there's constantly some small earthquakes hitting around. And this was the moment when there was this one video where people are trying to save the people out of the debris and the second building decides to fall while they're doing this. A lot of um, people, a lot of lifesavers also got injured and also one dog from Mexico Proteo uh, was the name of the dog the dog unfortunately died under the debris while trying to save a life I mean you can understand how vehement the situation is so yes Uh,
1: there is uh, elections in Turkey Mm -hmm. uh, in the near future Uh, how do you think they are going to be affected by the situation
2: you see I believe this time the opposition has more chance to go forward because even though the people who were on the side of the coalition the coalition government that's currently ruling Turkey the uh Justice and Development Party Erdogan's party and the Far Right Party in Turkey Mehepe we call it they were they, they they were decide they they have decided to lift a lot of things you know when it comes to Uh, When it comes to economics, they decided to do some new, you know, noble decisions. They took some noble decisions, which are completely irrelevant when you look at it. But you see, every time when we have elections in Turkey, our government decides to become more humanitarian, more liberal and more, let's say, investing into people's lives. However, unfortunately, this time... I don't think they stand the chance. As a, as, a, as a politics and governance student, I can clearly see that it's falling apart in their hands because one brief story is that Erdogan, the current president, he came to power in Turkey in 1999 as the mayor of Istanbul. He, he was the mayor of Istanbul. And he started doing his politics with the earthquake that happened in 1999. He was blaming the government for everything, he was trying to become a figure the person who made him who he is today is Deniz baikal he was the ex ministry of foreign affairs he was the ex uh, council of the great assembly of turkey and what kind of karma is this i do not understand but he also died recently after the earthquake hit and i can briefly say that the power which was which has been built on an earthquake has fallen apart with an earthquake as well And soon we're going to see some changes. Hopefully, hopefully we're going to see some changes because changing the mind of a Turkish person is harder than making a statue. Because Turkish people are really loving for their country. Uh, We care for our country, we love our country, and we want the best for our country. However, you see, there are some people who do not want to realize that what Erdogan is doing for the country is not going to save it. We have to go on with globalization, unfortunately. I understand realist approach to international relations is a thing. However, unfortunately, it's not the reality that we have right now. We have a falling economy, which we have to change. We don't have any time left anymore. And the thing, one particular thing is that on 14th of May, when we have the elections, it might be two things that will happen in Turkey, either. Erdogan's losing, and we have a lot of discord amongst the people, or Erdogan wins, and we slowly and rigidly go towards a civil war. That's what I see. But hopefully, as I said, a lot of people have realized what's going on, how he controlled the situation. how he didn't actually control the crisis, how so he decided to ignore everything that's going on around him and decided to make himself even more credibility from this earthquake and death of people. You see, recently, just two days ago, we had a campaign on live television where a lot of companies decided to invest and decided to donate money to those who have uh, experienced the earthquake. And we were all surprised to see that the Central Bank of Turkey donated 30 billion Turkish liras, which is, when you look at it, we all pay taxes to the Central Bank, right? The money in the Central Bank literally belongs to the people. And when you count it and when you divide it and you do the mathematics, around 82 million people live in Turkey and per person, when it's in billion, you can understand that it's around 387 Turkish liras per person donated. Even I am sitting here. I, w- I wasn't in Turkey. I've decided, I- I've i also invested, like, I've also donated personally. But, you see, the Turkish National Bank decided to speak of it as their own deed and make themselves the hero of the day. The Erdogan tried to make himself the hero of the day. But a lot of people now realize that it's their money actually going there. It's not the government's money because the government ate all the money they had like, they, they, they tried to finish it, over overfall it, and, and literally destroyed everything they had. We even had, like, a, a donation fund specifically for such emergencies such as an earthquake. And the fund is empty, as you can understand. So, briefly and shortly, the next ev- elections is going to be a big point of change for Turkey. So
1: but you can see a change in people's minds people are reacting negatively to the government's decision yes, yes, to yes, act yes, like this
2: yes 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 exactly because a lot of people were tweeting their locations from under the buildings we didn't have proper internet in those zones in those 10 cities for the, for eight days straight because phone lines are constantly full the internet is not working properly the bro the, the Bandwidth isn't strong enough to withstand that much capacity. And the thing is, Elon Musk offered Starlink. And our government decided to not accept it. Uh, We were like, why? Why wouldn't you do that? Because they said, well, we're enough. We have enough of things. No, we don't. And And they decided to restrict the bandwidth of Twitter because of misinformation. But you see, yes... There are trolls on the internet. There are people who don't want the, who don't want good for others, but a lot of people got their lives si- like lives saved by from TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, literally just by tweeting or filming their locations where they're under from the debris. Um, so yes, I would, I would I can say this about the government as well. Limiting stuff is not going to help anything.
1: Do the elections usually uh, garner a big percentage of uh, voters actually taking a vote?
2: Yeah, in Turkey a lot of people uh, go for voting because we have an understanding in Turkey. It's called do good for your country. And doing good for our country is doing good for our country, basically. And how we do good for our country is by acting in democracy because you know Turkey's history uh was b- before Turkish Republic we had the Ottoman Empire it was an empire and in 1923 uh, Mustafa Kemal Atatürk turk he des- he declared the he de- he declared democracy and he declared independence and ever since Turkish people well educated Turkish people have been embracing his ideals because that is where Turkish people should find their reality. That's what we need, his his ideals. We have to follow it. I'm not speaking about propaganda here. A lot of nations have leaders, right? And we have one particular leader whose ideals we're following and we should follow. But a lot of people think that since he overthrew the caliphate and he overthrew the ottoman empire he's a traitor no he isn't turkey had to change and the ottoman empire was literally ending because of the english the french attacking during the first world war that was the only way out he declared the independence and ever since we have been embracing all our democratic rights and simply A lot of people go to vote. You can even see on the TV that an 85-year-old nan, who's hardly walking, she will go and vote. Obviously, I don't know for whom, but hopefully for the best.
1: Yeah, I'm asking because we have elections coming up also, and uh, Estonia particularly has a very low uh, voters rate, 63% last year, and in some regions it's under 50%, Mm -hmm. uh, even though we have the ability to vote online so you don't actually have to go anywhere to do it but people do not understand the importance of actually participating in democracy.
2: Mm-hmm. As, a, as a as a politics student who came to Estonia quite recently, I would say it's my second year here, I have made a circle of friends, Estonians, uh, Russian Estonians, a lot of different ethnicities who have lived in Estonia who have got a citizenship now. They can vote. But a lot of people just don't seem to care about the politics. That is actually a good thing at one point, okay? Because when you go to Turkey and you live there as a citizen, a five-year-old kid is talking about what Erdogan is doing wrong. That kid should not care about that. Kids, youth, they shouldn't be caring about politics because they should live a proper life And they should live under proper circumstances. A lot of European people don't see this because they go to Antalya. They go to uh, warmed cities. They spend their money there, the euros, because the euro is quite expensive in Turkey now. It's quite valuable rather than expensive. So a lot of people don't see this. But as a citizen, I can say that a lot of young people are taking part in politics nowadays. And that's a good thing it's a bad thing and a good thing because these elections we have a huge amount of youth who are over 18 now and who can vote basically turkey has a has a lot of young people when you look at a country's you know growth rate turkey is a growing country and you know the age difference between the people isn't that much because of COVID and recent events, now we have more younger people. And a lot of people living in Eastern Turkey, they're not actually the youth, they're more elderly people. And you see, on the other hand, when calculating, uh, you can understand that Erdogan has lost a lot of voters as well. He's he's lost power, he's lost, he's lost voters. And this time, hopefully, my peers, I'm calling all upon my peers who are listening to this, Turkish peels, peers, just go and vote. Just do it, even if you're out, out abroad. We have embassies. Go uh, and vote.
1: Uh, and lastly, could you uh, could you tell the people uh, in Estonia, abroad, or even in Turkey how they can offer their support and help uh, to the region?
2: I have emailed the international students' community of Tallinn University, I have um, emailed Esindus as well. Uh, and they said that they will share something. But to those all you who are listening to this podcast, I would say, guys, there's a lot of things that you can do. You see, one euro is equivalent to 20 Turkish liras. A loaf of bread is 7 Turkish liras. Uh, yes, I understand. Uh, this is not a beggar type of situation. But however, you see... Aid is aid, and we need aid. Because if something similar happened in Estonia, I think a lot of people would have been left under the debris and you see, yes, the organization and the governance in Estonia is fairly better and Estonia would get out of the situation easier because there's less population as well. But you see, what you can do is you can go online you can search ahbap, which is A-H-B-A-P dot uh, organization. There is like a the English uh, choice, you can choose English language there. And you can donate in euros. A single euro will be enough. Or else, let's say if you have a pair of socks that you don't use, pants, a coat, a sweatshirt that you don't use anymore, That they're small, you just... It's somewhere there you don't like it anymore. Uh, I, I believe Islamic Yaskus in Tallinn, they accept stuff. You can go there, you can donate your stuff. You know, do good and be good. I mean, in the end, we as Turkish people, we try to do our best. But, you know, international aid is also valuable. So this is basically what you can do. Uh, I, I I believe the Estonian government sent a group of 40 people but they went quite they they went later than expected and they came early because they saw how the government was organizing stuff there and i mean they also have a fair point they don't want to work under those kind of circumstances because it's a disaster uh, there the the thing about this is that people there and the while they're under the debris They just didn't die because they were left under the debris. They died because of hypothermia. Uh, They died because of uh, lack of air. They weren't just squished by a building because there was not enough time. There was not enough aid. You can't go there. Obviously, you can't take people out of the debris, but every single cent, euro, a piece of clothing, any kind of help, or even sharing it on your Instagram story. You see, the most thing that causes angst in me is that the European media is ignorant about this kind of things. You see, something similar, if it happened in Germany, in France, the whole world would be speaking about this. Western media, a lot of media channels should realize, even in Estonia, that I have seen a couple articles, yes, but the TV, nothing, The Euronews spoke about it just briefly. But you see, people should understand the the amount of lives destroyed there. People, young people our age, like students' age, have been left without no families. Nothing. Imagine you just, just suddenly the world starts to rumble under your feet. And the moment you open your eyes, you don't have anyone else left in your life. That's the thing. Um. So yes, uh, just sharing it on your Instagram story. Creating awareness, you know, this is this this is actually worse than a war. Uh, I I can say that in war people die in different ways, but death is death and a casualty is a casualty. We have people dying every day. I believe like the casualty is currently twenty two thousand. That's what the official numbers say. Uh, the last thing I wrote was thirty six. Yeah, you see, even I can keep track of it. 36,000 or more you see cities in Turkey have a lot of population and a whole city destroyed at 4am in the morning isn't a small thing a lot of people were sleeping just died in their sleep and sharing this creating awareness just share it just go on Instagram right now you can find it on hashtag earthquake Turkey or Turkey Earthquake share it uh make people realize that even though Turkey is not in the European Union, Turkey is a big country between two continents. It's a binder of East and the West. Uh, historical Constantinople, which we call Istanbul, is in Turkey. That's, that's a very holy place for a lot of uh, European countries like for rome because that was the last the byzantine was the last thing left from the roman empire so yeah uh, sharing it will create a difference donating will create a difference and surely but fairly realizing that even though there's a lot of political interests humanity helping humanity is going to save us that's the thing This earthquake made us realize a lot of things, as Turks. um, Our government was speaking very badly against Greece, let's say. But the first two countries to run for Turkey's aid were Azerbaijan, the brother country of Turkey, and obviously Greece, two neighboring countries. Uh,
1: The last thing I wrote was 36,000.
2: A lot of Turkish people understood that, you see, politicians indoctrinate people and it, this doesn't have an end unless we, real, we realize that a life is important. So, yes.
1: Thank you very much for coming to talk about this. Uh, we will have links to resources how to provide your help and uh, learn more information in the description. And this was the Thailand University podcast. <laughs>